Warning. The podcast you are about to listen to will contain detailed plot spoilers. If you do not wish to have the movie ruined for you, I recommend turning the podcast off now. Also, the podcast will contain graphic and explicit language. If you don't think your ears can handle it, turn the podcast off and go change your tampon. You have been warned. Welcome to the Movie Pit Podcast, presented by RMJ Media. Season screaming kitties, welcome back to the Movie Pit Podcast, your go-to cinematic hideout where we dissect, discuss, and sometimes demolish the films that make you jump, laugh, and question your life choices. I'm your film guru, Boozer, and we're about to dive headfirst into a chilling roller coaster from 2006, the remake of Black Christmas. Picture this. Snow falling gently, lights twinkling on houses, and a festive atmosphere that conceals the shadows lurking beneath the tinsel. Ah, the holiday season. A time for joy, merriment, and in the world of horror, a perfect backdrop for blood-curdling screams. Now, Black Christmas is not your typical yuletide fair. This is where holiday cheer meets a sinister force, creating a cocktail of terror that will leave you questioning whether you should be singing carols or checking your locks twice. The film directed by Glenn Morgan, is a reimagining of the 1974 classic that puts a fresh, if not unsettling, spin on the holiday horror genre. The plot follows a sorority house terrorized by an unseen stalker during the festive season. But don't expect sugar plum fairies and candy canes. Instead, buckle up for a ride through a chilling tale that keeps you on the edge of your seat. Our journey into the icy abyss begins with a cast that's not afraid to embrace the darker side of the holiday celebrations. Katie Cassidy, Michelle Trashenberg, and Mary Elizabeth Winstead lead the ensemble, injecting a dose of charisma into the characters facing an unholy threat. As we navigate through the film, their performances keep us tethered to the screen, making us care about the fate of each sorority sister caught in this holiday nightmare. Let's talk briefly about the atmosphere. Morgan crafts a setting that's both cozy and claustrophobic, with the sorority house becoming a character in its own right. Twinkling lights may adorn the exterior, but inside the shadows play host to unimaginable horrors. The cinematography expertly captures the contrast, giving us a visual feast that oscillates between the warmth of the holiday decorations and the chilling void that threatens to consume everybody in its path jump scares. A staple in the horror genre are expertly woven to the story of Black Christmas. Morgan really knows when to unleash them, creating a sense of anticipation that permeates every frame of this film. It's not just about startling the audience, it's about building tension and then releasing that tension with a perfectly timed jolt, leaving us with a lingering unease long after the credits roll. 
As our protagonists try to unravel the mystery behind the sinister presence in their midst, the plot takes an unexpected turn, subverting tropes and keeping us guessing. It's a puzzle and Morgan invites us to put on our detective hats as we try to piece together the chilling mystery. It's not just about visceral scares, it's about the psychological terror that creeps in, making us question the safety of our own holiday havens. And of course, let's not forget about the iconic phone calls in this film. A nod to the original, these eerie conversations add an extra layer of dread, reminding us that the threat is not f just physical, but also psychological. The disembodied voice on the other end of the line becomes a harbinger of doom, weaving a thread that ties the sorority sisters' fates together in a way that sends shivers down your spine. Before we plunge headlong into the heart of the film, let's take a moment to appreciate the sound design. A symphony of screams, creaking doors, and the ominous jingle of holiday bells. The audio landscape crafted by Morgan and his team amplifies the tension, turning every footstep into a potential harbinger of doom. It's a testament to the power of a well-crafted auditory experience in enhancing, enhancing the overall horror. Now, my fellow cinephiles, as we brace ourselves for the chilling descent into the world of Black Christmas, let's take a listen to the trailer and immerse ourselves into the spine-tingling atmosphere. We'll be back shortly to dissect the frights, delights, and everything in between, so grab your popcorn, dim the lights, and join us on the cinematic journey into the heart of holiday horror as we dissect Black Christmas 2006. Everyone should be home for Christmas. Are about to discover. Lauren, we're opening up presents. Why don't you open the present we got you? Their house. I got it. Is his home. All is calm. All is bright. Who is in my house tonight? Don't you have lots of toys to deliver to good little boys and girls? You really shouldn't provoke somebody like that. And on December 25th. You're definitely getting punked. All he wants for Christmas is Megan in her room. Is a new family he can treat like his very own.
a snowy Christmas Eve night, the Alpha Kappa Gamma sorority house transforms into a chilling backdrop for horror in the 2006 remake of Black Christmas. The film adeptly sets the stage for suspense and terror through a sequence of events involving Lauren, Claire, and the notorious Billy Lenz. The story unfolds with Lauren innocently changing into her pajamas, establishing a facade of normalcy against the impending horror. The subtle subversion of expectations adds a layer of unease, lulling the audience into a false sense of security before shattering it with Claire's unsettling ordeal. The choice of everyday activities as a cover for impending terror is a classic horror technique, effectively heightening the impact of the unexpected and gruesome acts that follow. As Claire engages in the seemingly benign activity of writing a Christmas card, the scene takes a dark turn when her fountain pen goes missing. The intrusion into personal space and the violation of a seemingly safe environment intensify this horror. The weaponization of an ordinary object, the pen serves as a disturbing touch emphasizing the brutality inflicted within the confines of Claire's own bedroom. Simultaneously, the introduction of the mysterious figure within the sorority house adds an element of intrigue. The film strategically keeps the assailant shrouded in darkness, withholding their identity and motives. The choice fuels curiosity and anticipation, compelling the audience to unravel the unfolding enigma. Next, transitioning into the mental institution, the story introduces the infamous character of Billy Lenz, portrayed by Robert Mann. The institutional setting contributes to the overarching theme of the psychological horror. Billy, confined yet seemingly in control, lays the groundwork for his ominous return to the outside world. The incorporation of Christmas decorations and lights in Billy's cell adds an unsettling layer to his character. The juxtaposition of festive cheer against the backdrop of his disturbed mind creates a disconcerting blend, heightening the contrast between the joyous season and the impending horror that will soon unfold. As Billy orchestrates his escape, the film plays with expectations and fears of the unknown. The security guard's nonchalant attitude towards Billy's potential escape serves as subtle foreshadowing. This narrative choice amplifies the shock when Billy not only escapes, but also executes a violent and cunning breakout. The use of a candy cane as a weapon during Billy's escape is both symbolic and horrifying. The choice of such a festive object as a tool of violence adds a layer of twisted irony, further emphasizing the collision of holiday cheer with the gruesome br brutality. The macabre use of Christmas imagery contributes to the film's ability to evoke horror within a familiar framework of the holiday season. The scene at the mental institution establishes Billy's strategic thinking. Demonstrated through his escape plan and the symbolic message left for the security guard, the newspaper rep present with an ominous message, I'll be home for Christmas, is a chill, chilling touch, foreshadowing Billy's return to the sorority house and setting the stage for the rest of the impending terror. The unfolding plot of the 2006 remake of Black Christmas delves into the characters' relationships and introduces a sinister backstory that sets the stage for the all horror to come in this film. Kelly and Kyle's conversation outside the sorority house is a moment of apparent normalcy, contrasting with the growing tension inside the house. Kelly's promise to make it up to Kyle for spending Christmas with her roommates sets a better, bittersweet tone hinting at the challenges their relationship might face. 
This scene foreshadows the personal dynamics that will become integral to the film's storyline. The introduction of Megan watching an intimate home video involving her and Kyle adds a layer of complexity to the characters' interactions. The film explores themes of trust and betrayal, using Megan's discovery as a catalyst for potential conflict. The use of the cell phone to convey this information is a modern touch anchoring the horror in a contemporary technology. The Secret Santa gift exchange introduces a festive element that contrasts sharply with the dark secrets lurking beneath the surface. Ms. Mac's inquiry about who got Billy triggers the revelation of the sorority house's grim history. The narrative decision to delve into Billy's tragic past through a flashback is crucial in establishing the roots of the horror that will unfold within the, the walls of the sorority house. Billy's origin story unfolds as a series of unsettling revelations. His birth with a liver disorder and the subsequent mistreatment by his mother provide a poignant foundation for the character's descent into madness. This, the film skillfully navigates themes of family dysfunction, societal judgment, and the impact of traumatic childhood experiences on mental health. The Christmas setting adds a layer of irony to Billy's tragic history. The holiday typically associated with joy and togetherness becomes a backdrop for Billy's descent into madness. The contrast between the festive season and the gruesome events in his past enhances the film's ability to evoke horror within familiar contexts. The use of a telescope as a gift from Billy's father introduces a fleeting moment of happiness, emphasizing the fleeting nature of joy in Billy's troubled life. The subsequent discovery of his father's murder and the burial of the body in the crawlspace underlines the film's exploration of hidden horrors with the seemingly idyllic sorority house. Billy's witness to the violent act and his subsequent confinement in the attic are pivotal moments in the transformation into a malevolent force. The attic, often associated with isolation and confinement, becomes a symbolic space that shapes Billy's psyche. The film employs classic horror elements such as parental betrayal, murder, and a haunted location to craft a chilling origin story for its antagonist. The decision to reveal Billy's backstory through a flashback contributes to the film's com narr like, narrative complexity. It humanizes the antagonist, eliciting a complex mix of sympathy and horror from the audience, much kind of like how Rob Zombie tried doing with his remake of Halloween. This emotional engagement serves to heighten the impact of the impending doom, as viewers are not merely confronted with a faceless evil, but witness the tra tragic events that molded Billy into the malevolent force he becomes. Ms. Mac's revelation of Billy's tragic past casts a haunting pill over the sorority house, sending shockwaves through the girls. The horror is palpable as the weight of the dark history sinks in, the film deftly employs the contrast between the Christmas festivities and the grim reality intensifying the impact of the revelation on the characters and the audience. Heather's refusal to participate in the Secret Santa exchange for Billy underscores the moral dilemma presented by his presence. Her conviction reflects a clash between morality and tradition, adding layers of complexity to the characters. This internal conflict becomes a microcosm of larger tension permeating the sorority house as the past comes back to haunt them. The departure of Eve, 
the thick glassed, nerdy, quiet girl in the exchange of the secret Santa gifts reveal the underlining tension within the group. The crystal unicorn, intended as a thoughtful present, falls short of expectations, highlighting the fractured relationships amongst the sorority sisters. Eve's disappointment and Ms. Mac's attempt to offer another gift foreshadow the brewing discord that will further unravel as the horror continues to unfold. Kelly and Lauren's attempt to engage Claire and Megan in the gift opening festivities adds a touch of normalcy to the scene, momentarily distracting from the impending doom. The camaraderie the camaraderie and the laughter creates a false sense of security, emphasizing the contrast between the joyful holiday atmosphere and the impending horrors about to be unleashed. Megan's reluctance to join the present opening ritual sets the stage for a grisly turn of events. The film expertly builds suspense as Megan investigates a mysterious sound in the attic, creating a sense of foreboding. The discovery of Claire's lifeless body and the subsequent brutal attack on Megan herself intensify the horror. The use of a snow globe as a weapon adds a chilling and unexpected element to the violence, emphasizing the film's commitment to surprising and shocking its audience. The brutality of the attack on Megan is visceral and unrelenting, heightening the sense of dread. The removal of her eye with bare hands is a gruesome touch, no pun intended, that pushes the boundaries of traditional horror. The film delves into graphic horror without relying on gratuitous score, which is kind of nice given what the scene was for horror in 2006. And in doing this, it amplifies the psychological impact of the scene and solidifying the notion that no character is safe within the twisted tale. As Megan fights back against her assailant, the struggle unfolds with a raw and primal intensity. The chaos and violence erupting within a seemingly secure walls of the sorority house shatter any illusions of safety. The bag over Megan's head and the relentless assault contribute to a sense of helplessness and vulnerability, intensifying the horror for both the character and the audience. The next scene opens with an unsettling phone call, the mysterious caller creating an atmosphere of unease. Melissa's decision to put the call on loudspeaker allows the tension to permeate the entire room, creating a shared sense of discomfort among the characters as well as the audience. Lauren's teasing adds a layer of dark humor, a juxtaposition against the ominous threat delivered by the caller. This choice introduces an element of psychological horror, leaving the characters and viewers to question the true nature of the danger lurking within the shadows. Heather's rational response to the threatening phone calls provides a grounding force amidst the growing tension. Her assertion that the caller is sick in the head reframes the story, highlighting the psychological aspect of the horror rather than focusing solely on the physical threat. This approach adds depth to the film's exploration of the characters' reactions to fear and the blurred lines between reality and the macabre. The revelation that the call originates from Megan's cell phone injects a new layer of mystery. The girls attempt to dismiss it as a joke, clinging to the notion that it's a prank rather than a genuine threat. This moment sets the stage for the film to play with the characters' perceptions and the audience's expectations, introducing uncertainty and fear into the seemingly secure environment of the sorority house. As the secret Santa gift exchange unfolds, the film cleverly utilizes moments of levity to momentarily relieve the building tension. 
Ms. Mack's gag gift of lingerie generates laughter, providing a temporary reprise before plunging back into the dark undertones of the story. The juxtaposition of holiday cheer and the ominous phone call foreshadows the impending clash between festivity and the horror within the sorority house. Kelly's return upstairs inadvertently becomes a catalyst for another unsettling encounter. Kyle's sudden appearance from Megan's room startles both Kelly and the audience, introducing an unexpected twist. The subsequent confusion and Kyle's lack of awareness regarding Megan's whereabouts contribute to the sense of disorientation and foreshadow a deeper connection to the unfolding horror. The tension peaks as the characters interrogate Kyle about Megan's whereabouts. Lauren's skepticism about Kyle's claim of darkness in the rooms adds a layer of suspicion, hinting at a potential dark secret. The mention of Billy in a joking matter further blurs the lines between reality and the fictional tales surrounding the infamous character. This narrative choice heightens the psychological horror, leaving the characters and audience questioning the boundaries between what is real and what is unreal. Kyle's storytelling about Billy's past becomes a narrative tool to intensify the horror. The film skillfully weaves tells within tells, creating a sense of dread that extends beyond the immediate threats. The use of storytelling, the use of storytelling as a device within the plot reflects the film's commitment to keeping the audience on edge. Again, unsure of what is real and what is fabricated by the college students as opposed to what really happened known by the townies. It is at this point the film unveils more of Billy's gruesome backstory, sparing no details and painting a harrowing picture of his upbringing. The revelation of his mother's unspeakable actions introduce an additional layer of family dysfunction, adding a perverse and macabre dimension to the already unsettling atmosphere of the sorority house. And pretty much without going into crazy fucking detail she's trying to fuck her boyfriend he's drunk passes out she goes up to the attic ends up having sex with billy a year later there's a new baby in the house you can go from there the visceral reaction of the sorority girls mirror the audience's own shock and horror as the tale unfolds the twisted family dynamics laid bare by the horrifying revelation disrupt the festive atmosphere plunging the sorority house into an abyss of darkness. The recurring lines about Agnes, the little sister, becoming the new family resonates with twisted connotations, underscoring the deformed relationship that have profoundly shaped the lives of the characters. Kelly's discovery of the porn video on Megan's computer adds an additional layer of discomfort to the narrative. This revelation leads to an emotional breakdown intensifying the already unsettling atmosphere within the sorority house. The film tactfully taps into the vulnerabilities of characters, exposing their personal traumas and fears as the horror narrative continues to build. Use of misogynistic language contribute to the escalating tension within the house. The stark contrast between the seemingly festive exterior and the bubbling hostility within the sorority house walls serves to intensify a sense of impending dread. Ms. Mack's intervention becomes a pivotal moment, symbolizing the rejection of Kyle's toxic presence and serving as a stand against the mistreatment of women in the house. The sudden appearance of a mysterious figure standing by the tree introduces an element of, of immediate danger, leaving both the characters and the audience in suspense regarding the identity and modus of this lurking presence. The arrival of Claire's half-sister, Lee, 
further complicates the story, introducing an outsider who is oblivious to the brewing horror within the sorority house, adding an additional layer of complexity and intrigue, as if the story didn't have enough to continue to add on to. The sudden power outage adds to the chaos, shrouding the sorority house in darkness and amplifying the suspense. Dana's decision to investigate the circuit breaker and the subsequent encounter in the crawl space further heighten the tension. The use of the flashlight and the confined space beneath the house create a claustrophobic atmosphere intensifying the audience's sense of vulnerability alongside the characters. Next, Dana's demise, depicted with graphic brutality, serves as a visceral shock to both the characters as well as the audience. The gardening tool used as a weapon adds a macabre touch, intensifying the horror of the scene. The struggle in the confined space can, becomes a visceral experience, leaving a lasting impression of terror that extends beyond the immediate confrontation. Lauren's intoxicated state and Melissa's blunt comment about her hygiene inject a darkly comedic tone amid the unfolding horror in the sequence. The voyeuristic element with somebody watching Lauren during and after her shower adds an unsettling layer to the plot. The broken tile becomes a symbolic breach of privacy, magnifying the vulnerability of the characters in their supposedly safe haven, and adding an eerie touch to the unfolding nightmarish tableau. The air begins to thicken with suspense as the absence of Claire, Megan, and Dana becomes a source of growing concern. Kelly's apprehension intensifies when somebody calls from Dana's cell number and abruptly hangs up, heightening the sense of imminent danger. The unfolding mystery prompts the remaining girls to venture outside in search of their missing sorority sisters. The search takes a chilling turn when Heather and Lee discover Eve's car still parked outside. Open the car door, they are confronted with the gruesome sight of Eve's severed head rolling out. The visceral shock is mirrored in the girls' screams as they retreat to the safety of the house, hastily locking the door behind them. The revelation of the severed head underscores the brutality of the threat they face, plunging the sorority house deeper into a state of panic. Kelly takes charge, recognizing the severity of the situation, and calls the police for help. However, the grim reality sets in as they learn that the weather conditions may delay the authorities' arrival for over two hours. The isolation caused by the snow amplifies the feeling of vulnerability, emphasizing the urgent need for the girls to devise their own survival plan. Ms. Mack proposes a plan to pile into the car and seek assistance, but Kelly, demonstrating a keen understanding of the dire circumstances, insists on the importance of sticking together. As Heather, ex as Heather expresses her desire to leave, Ms. Mack decides to accompany her in the quest for help. The tension heightens when in a heart-stopping moment, Billy's menacing presence is revealed in the car. The sudden act of violence unfolds as Ms. Mack is shocked into witnessing Heather's brutal demise. Her blood spraying across the windshield, the shocking turn of events leaves the audience on edge, emphasizing the unpredictability in the unfolding narrative. Back inside the house, Lee notices the delay in Ms. Mack's departure and decides to investigate. Kelly, demonstrating her resilience, joins Lee in exploring the unsettling situation. Meanwhile, Melissa and the seemingly oblivious Lauren remain in the house, unaware of the horrors outside. Outside in a grim twist, Lee stumbles upon the aftermath of Ms. Mack's encounter with Billy. 
shocking scene unfolds as an icicle dislodged by the struggle impels Ms. Mac's head, marking a gruesome end to her valiant attempt to help. The tension crescendos as Melissa, startled by Lee's screams, race towards the stairs to investigate. In a heart-pounding moment, a mysterious figure with malicious intent grabs her, wrapping a bag over her head and slamming her into a wall. Melissa's frantic attempt to escape, marked by her courageous fight with a stick, adds a visceral layer to the horror. The sudden brutality reaches its peak when the figure hurls an ice skate at Melissa, cutting off the back of her head. The shocking and graphic nature of Melissa's demise accentuates the ruthlessness of the threat they face, leaving the audience reeling from the visceral impact. Kelly and Lee, desperately seeking refuge, inadvertently stumble upon a gruesome scene in Lauren's room. The shocking discovery of Lauren's lifeless body, her eyes gouged out, serves as a visceral reminder of the relentless danger lurking within the sorority house. The horror intensifies as Kyle, believed to be the killer, bursts into the room, initiating a chaotic confrontation. The tension reaches a fever pitch as Kelly realizes that the killer might be in the attic with Lauren's cell phone. The unfolding events lead to a heart-stopping moment when Kyle is pulled into the attic, setting the stage for a relentless struggle. Kelly and Lee's attempts to access the attic are thwarted, further heightening the suspense and leaving the audience in the dark about the true identity of the assailant. The revelation of Agnes as the assailant, complete with a glass eye, adds a shocking layer to the story. Kelly's attempts to reason with Agnes, assuring her that her brother is not present, foreshadow the impending confrontation with the true antagonist. Agnes's assertion that she doesn't have a brother, only a father, leaves a chilling impact hinting at the dark family history that has fueled the bloodshed within the sorority house. The unexpected return of Billy, Agnes's father and brother, marks a pivotal moment in the narrative. The candlelit entrance emphasizes the eerie atmosphere as the true orchestrator of the horror steps into the spotlight. The revelation that Agnes and Billy are not siblings, but father and daughter adds a disturbing layer to the di- familial dynamics, underscoring the twisted nature of their relationship. The final confrontation in the attic unfolds with a rapid and brutal pace. Kyle's horrifying demise punctuated by the use of the unicorn statue further emphasizes the sadistic nature of the assailants. Lee's discovery of her half-sister's body in the rocking chair adds a tragic dimension to the unfolding horror. The intense struggle between Kelly and Agnes, marked by Kelly's resourcefulness with a fork, showcases the resilience of the surviving characters. As Kelly is cornered and threatened by Agnes and Billy climbing into the attic, Lee's heroic intervention becomes a pivotal moment. The dramatic rescue, characterized by smashing through walls and the use of Christmas lights, adds a sense of urgency and heroism to the plot. The fiery escape from the burning attic, symbolized by the Christmas tree engulfed in flames, brings a visually striking and cathartic conclusion to the intense sequence. In the aftermath of the horrifying events that unfolded within the confines of the sorority house, the concluding scenes in Black Christmas delve into the visceral and shocking resolution. This culmination of suspense and terror brings an unexpected turn of events, intensifying the psychological impact of the audience. 
The somber atmosphere at the hospital takes an unexpectedly dark turn as Lee, holding a thoughtful gift from her deceased half-sister Claire, becomes an unwitting victim of Agnes's relentless pursuit of them. The engraved watch, a symbol of family forever, takes on an ominous significance as Lee's life is abruptly cut short. The emotional weight of the moment is palpable as the shattered notion of the enduring family bonds contrasts sharply with the brutality of Agnes's attacks. Lee's next snapping demise adds a chilling and jarring note to the story, amplifying the sense of unpredictability and horror that permeates the film. Returning to her hospital room, Kelly is met with an unnerving sight, a seemingly lifeless body with blonde hair resting in the bed. The immediate shock gives way to a moment of emotional turmoil as Kelly discovers that the figure is not Lee, but Agnes, the malevolent force that haunted the sorority house. The revelation throws into question the presumed safety of the hospital setting, unsettling the audience by extending the pervasive sense of danger beyond the sorority house walls. The juxtaposition of Lay's blood on the ceiling above Agnes adds a layer of psychological horror, contributing to the overall sense of unease. Agnes's sudden appearance shrouded in the curtain initiates the visceral struggle between the two characters. The heightened intensity is palpable as, as Agnes, with a chilling determination, begins to strangle Kelly. The desperate fight for survival plays out in a claustrophobic hospital room, creating a sense of urgency and impending doom. Kelly's resourcefulness becomes a focal point as she seizes a defibrillator paddle, delivering a fatal shock to Agnes. This climactic moment not only offers a temporary reprieve, but also emphasizes Kelly's resilience in the face of relentless advers adversity. The film takes a narrative detour, presenting two distinct endings for the different audiences. In the UK version, the story concludes with Agnes's demise, leaving the audience with a sense of closure. Conversely, the U.S. version introduces an unforeseen twist as Billy, the original malevolent force, descends from the ceiling, reigniting the terror. This narrative choice introduces a new layer of suspense, suggesting that the horror may not be easily contained or escaped. The unexpected turn paves the way for an extended and gripping climax in the U.S. version of the film. In this version of the film's climax, Kelly's resourcefulness takes center stage once again as she employs crutches in a desperate attempt to fend off Billy. The visceral impact of the confrontation is heightened by the gruesome impalement of Billy on a Christmas tree below, marking a macabre and definitive end to his reign of terror. The graphic imagery, with Billy's intestines spewing out, adds a visceral and shocking element, underscoring the film's commitment to delivering gruesome and unexpected twists until the very last moment. As the credits roll, the unsettling imagery lingers in the minds of the audiences, leaving them with a sense of disbelief and unease. The visual impact of Billy's demise, juxtaposed with Kelly's shock, ensures the gruesome conclusion remains etched in the collective memory of the viewers. The choice to conclude with such shocking imagery serves as a powerful exclamation point, solidifying the film's status as a horror experience that lingers long, long after the credits have rolled. So with all that being said, before we dive into the aspects of the acting, directing, and all that jazz, we take a brief break and we will be right back to continue this review of 2006's 
Black Christmas. The nightmare began with Silent Night, Deadly Night. Need a ride, Santa Claus? Oh, no, not exactly. But it isn't over yet. In fact, the ultimate nightmare is about to begin all over again. Silent Night, Deadly Night, Part 2. Hey, you little bastard! All Ricky ever wanted was a little kindness. And all he ever got was pain. Now he wants revenge. And this time, Carpet Day! He's going to get it. Step by step, weapon by weapon. Victim by victim. The terror is coming home, and he's all grown up. Silent Night, Deadly Night, Part 2. I've got a present for you! The terrifying suspense shocker you've been waiting for. Last time it threw you. This time. Kill you. Silent Night Releasing Corporation presents Silent Night, Deadly Night, Part 2. The 2006 remake of Black Christmas not only brought a fresh perspective to the classic horror film, but also showcased a talented ensemble cast, each actor contributing to the suspenseful and chilling atmosphere. Let's delve into the performance of the key actors in the film, comparing their roles in Black Christmas to some of their previous notable works. Katie Cassidy takes on the role of Kelly Presley, a central character who becomes entangled in nightmarish events within a sorority house. Cassidy's portrayal of Kelly demonstrates a blend of vulnerability and resilience, capturing the essence of a horror film protagonist that you want to see. This role marked the departure from her earlier work, Notably, her role as Ruby on the TV show uh, Supernatural. While Ruby was a complex and morally ambiguous character, Kelly in Black Christmas showcases Cassidy's ability to navigate the horror genre with a compelling and relatable performance. Next on the list is Michelle Trackenberg, known for her role as Don Summers on the iconic television show Buffy the Vampire Slayer. Michelle Trackenberg brings her acting prowess to the character of Melissa Kitt, in Black Christmas, she takes on a role that contrasts drastically with her previous work, portraying Melissa as part of a sorority group facing a terrifying threat. Wherein Buffy, she was the little sister that, when she was first introduced in the show, was very much just in the way. So it was nice to see her go in a completely different direction, especially if you know where she originally started on the Nickelodeon sh uh, movie, Harriet the Spy. This shift in genre allows Trachtenberg to showcase her versatility as an actress, uh, moving seamlessly from the realm of supernatural drama 
showcases man's ability to embody complex and haunting characters, even though some might say Billy really isn't that complex, but it does leave a lasting impact on the horror genre. Summing up that part, um, the actors in this, the 2006 remake, delivered performances that not only contributed to the uh, suspenseful atmosphere of the film, but also showcased their versatility as performers. Each actor stepping into the roles that often diverged from their previous roles added depth and authenticity to the characters, elevating the horror experience as a viewer. The cast's ability to seamlessly transition between genres, whether it be from comedy to horror or from television to film, highlights their adaptability and skill as young actors. Their collective contributions played a crucial role in making Black Christmas a memorable and chilling addition to the horror genre. This film brought together a creative team led by Glenn Morgan, who also took charge of the screenplay. Alongside Morgan, the film was shaped by uh, the vision of cinematographer Robert McClellan, editor Chris Willingham, and musical composition of Shirley Walker. Each member of this team played a pivotal role in crafting the film's tone and atmosphere, contributing to the overall impact of the reimagined horror classic. As the director and sole screenwriter, Glenn Morgan took on the ambitious task of revitalizing a classic horror film while introducing his own creative spin. Morgan's direction skillfully navigated the delicate balance between homage to the original and injecting fresh elements to keep audiences on the edge of their seats. His decision to not pursue a shot-for-shot remake allowed for creative freedom, enabling the team to explore new avenues within the established narrative framework. Morgan's understanding of horror dynamics, evident in his previous work on television series like The the X-Files, played a crucial role in shaping the film's chilling atmosphere. Morgan's screenplay, while acknowledging the roots of the original Black Christmas, introduced contemporary nuances and character dynamics. The decision to delve deeper into the backstory of the antagonist Billy Lenz added layers to the plot, contributing to the film's overall sense of suspense and dread. Morgan's directorial choices, coupled with his distinctive approach to storytelling, laid the foundation for the horror experience that paid homage to its predecessor while offering a fresh and unsettling journey for us viewers. The visual language of Black Christmas was expertly crafted by cinematographer Robert McClellan. His work played a pivotal role in establishing the film's tone, utilizing lighting, framing, and camera movements to evoke a sense of dread and anticipation. His collaboration with Glenn Morgan resulted in a visual aesthetic that combined classic horror elements with modern cinematic techniques. The choice of atmospheric lighting, particularly in the scenes within the sorority house, contributed to the film's ominous ambience. Shadows played a crucial role in the concealing and revealing of the malevolent forces at play, heightening the suspense for the audience. His use of dynamic camera movements, especially during intense sequences, added to the film's visceral impact, immersing viewers in the horror unfolding on screen. Editing under the expertise of Chris Willingham played another crucial role in pacing and intensifying the suspense throughout Black Christmas. Willingham's ability to orchestrate seamless transitions between scenes and effectively build tension added to the overall impact of the film. 
The pacing of the narrative in horror is paramount, and Willingham's work ensured that the audience remained engaged and on edge at all times. The film's editing also contributed to the emotional weight of certain scenes, such as the shocking revelations about Billy Lenz's past. Well-timed cuts and juxtaposition of images heightened the impact of these moments, allowing the plot to unfold with maximum effect. Willingham's editing choices showcased a keen understanding of horse storytelling, enhancing the film's ability to evoke fear and anticipation. The haunting and atmospheric score of Black Christmas was crafted by Shirley Walker, a seasoned composer known for her work in the horror genre. Walker's music became an integral part of the film, heightening the emotional impact and insinuating moments of suspense. The choice of a chilling and evocative score added a layer of psychological horror to the film, complementing the visual elements. Walker's composition skillfully underscored the tension, creating an auditory experience that intensified the scares. The use of dissonant tones and eerie melodies enhanced the overall atmosphere, contributing to the film's ability to immerse the audience in the world of terror. Walker's work in Black Christmas exemplifies the importance of a haunting and evocative score within a horror flick. Um, and it is needed to be said, Shirley Walker unfortunately passed away before the film's release. So there is a, I believe it says goodbye uh, Shirley in the end credits. So it was sad that she didn't get to see her final work put up on the big screen. In conclusion, the collaborative efforts of director Glenn Morgan, cinematographer Robert McClellan, editor Chris Willingham, and the composer, the late Shirley Walker, played a pivotal role in shaping the tone and atmosphere of this film. The collective expertise, evident in their individual contributions, elevated the film beyond a simple reimagining, creating an expertise that paid homage to the original while carving its own distinct identity within the horror genre. And I think they did a lot with that with their backstory. Um, as we take one final break, reflect on the overall impact of the film and discuss its enduring legacy in the realm of horror cinema stay tuned for our concluding segment after the break enter a world of dreams laura tell me what you saw in your dream i told you dr newberry santa claus a world of silence subject may be making contact i don't want to see the future or the past i just want to be normal a world of madness no one is normal a world that can't be ignored she likes it loves it she can't resist it she wants to penetrate his mind see what he sees he was a little boy and then something happened Terrible. Because when the dream is over, I don't know what's going on here, but whatever it is, the nightmare begins. The Yuletide terror returns. His brain was surgically reconstructed. You don't mind my saying I'd have pulled his plug. Even his life was a value. With the saga that shocked a nation, Robert Culp. Silent Night, Deadly Night, Part 3, Better Watch Out. Supported by full trade and consumer advertising, P.O.P. includes a full-size poster. As 
As we wrap up our discussion on the 2006 remake of Black Christmas, let's delve into how this horror flick fared in both the box office and critical response. The film, produced on a budget of $9 million, managed to rake in $21.5 million worldwide. While the financial success was notable, the release date of this film stirred up controversy, especially among Christian groups upset with the decision to unleash this chilling tale on Christmas Day. The backlash from groups like Liberty Council and Operations Just Say Merry Christmas labeled the film as offensive and ill-founded. LA Weekly columnist Nikki Fink joined the dissent, questioning the wisdom of releasing a gory horror movie on the most festive day of the year. However, Dimension Films defended the release timing, citing the long tradition of releasing horror movies during the holiday season as counter-programming to more conventional Yuletide fare. And in my opinion, people just need to get off their fucking soapbox. Who fucking cares? Like, I honestly don't think today this would be as big of an issue as it was back then, but literally there wasn't enough controversy in in the horror film genre, so they needed to find something to bitch about back then. Moving on to the critical reception, Black Christmas received very mixed reviews. The film grossed 16.3 million in North America and encountered a polarized response from critics. On Rotten Tomatoes, it holds a mere 14% approval rating, with the critical consensus stating that the film is a gratuitous remake, lacking creativity, humor, or visual flair. Metacritic echoes the sentiment, giving the film an average rating of 22 out of 100, indicating generally unfavorable reviews. Critics such as Jeanette Katzelis of the New York Times criticized the film for revealing too much and teasing too little, describing it as a dismal Christmas card to its predecessors. Others, like The Guardian's Peter Bradshaw, found the backstory ingenious, but ultimately deemed the film predictable. Some reviewers, such as Sam Adams of the Los Angeles Times, dismissed it as forgettable, destined to be cast aside like an unwanted Christmas gift. Despite these critiques, there were pockets of praise. Mark Savlov of the Houston Chronicle commended the film as an evocative, effective entry in the holiday blood spray subgenre, while the BBC's Jamie Russell acknowledged its playful and cheeky approach to holiday horror. Me, I personally find Black Christmas to be a middle-of-the-road horror, horror flick. While it doesn't reach the heights of greatness, it certainly doesn't plummet to the depths of failure either. I give it a solid 6.5 out of 10, recognizing its attempt to carve its own path within the horror genre. And it's inter interesting to note that when this film came out and I saw it in the theater, I was leaning more towards the majority of in the response of this film. I hated it when it came out. Um, but in almost 20 years later, I have cooled on this film and I do enjoy watching it and it, it might not be part of my yearly holiday horror watch but every couple of years yes I'll throw this on and watch it because it is enjoyable at the end of the day I was just such a fan of the original 1974 film that I did I, I don't 
don't know what I was expecting when it first came out, but I was not positive on the film when it came out. For those interested in exploring more of Glenn Morgan's work, I recommend checking out the Final Destination films. For those seeking more holiday horror, after our discussion on this remake, I have a special recommendation, A Christmas Horror Story. This anthology film offers a unique blend of festive frights featuring William Shatner as the wraparound tie for the various chilling tales. It's a captivating exploration of horror within the holiday season and adds an extra layer of intrigue with Shatner's presence as the narrator. So if you're in the mood for a mix of Christmas cheer and spine-tingling scares, a Christmas horror story might just be the perfect addition to your holiday watch list. Tune in next week as we explore the final film of 2023's festive season titled It's a Wonderful Knife. And as always, till next time, kitties. Thank you for listening to this The Movie Pit Movie Review. We hope you have enjoyed your time. Come back to the Movie Pit Podcast each week for a new movie review podcast. See you next week.